I am your host, Todd Rosales, and welcome to a morning edition of Elevate Your Grind. I am so happy to see everybody. We have news for you. There's so much to go through. I'm very excited about today's topic because it's something that I've been curious about for a while. And I think today that we have the right guest to actually talk about this topic. So I think today is going to be a very good show. Stay tuned, folks. Of course, this episode is brought to you by Contempo Specialty Packaging. You guys know how I feel about the packaging in the industry. I haven't seen one piece of pack. Okay, little smokes. You got some good packaging, but outside of you guys with that one joint pack, there is not really any good packaging in this industry. There's usually multiple layers of plastic between me and my product. It is not only child proof, but it is adult proof. And I want to be able to get to my stuff. I know we got to keep it protected, but I want to be able to get there. We need to do better with packaging in this industry. That is where Contempo Specialty Packaging comes in with their packaging made of 100% hemp. Our guest today knows a little thing about that. 100% hemp. That's right, folks. We are finally wrapping cannabis within cannabis. This is the way the industry should be going. Contempo comes from 40 years of packaging background, servicing the top brands in the world of fashion, and has over four years of experience in the cannabis industry. They work with a lot of the largest cannabis operators in the industry, and their 100% hemp packaging is just one of their many, many exciting offerings. Their packaging is awesome. This is stuff that I want all of you to start adopting because I'm selfish like that. And I want to see the packaging everywhere. Okay. If you're looking for beautiful child resistant packaging made from 100% hemp or any of their great options for all of your cannabis products, visit contempopackaging.com. And I can tell you firsthand that Contempo's packaging are exceptional and we are proud to have them as our sponsor. Go to contempopackaging.com. That is contempopackaging.com and tell them that Todd sent you. All right, folks. I'm very excited about today's episode real quick, but before we get into the episode, I have a personal announcement I want to make. As of today, I am no longer going to be with Spring Big. I have another step in my journey on my cannabis career, so I would very much like to take this moment to thank the folks at Spring Big for a great time together. It is an amazing company. I made some amazing friends there, mentors, and everything else. So thank you guys. I'll reach out to all of you individually, but I'm very excited on our next episode to share exactly what I'm doing with you. So let's get into that today because I am a free agent for 48 hours over the weekend. So I really can say whatever I want before I have another job and have to be held accountable for the things that I say. And let's do that. So without further ado, and crap, I should ask him how to say his last name. 50 50 shot, I butcher it. But please welcome the CEO of Greenpoint Research, David Hasenauer. Perfect. You nailed it. That's, uh, yes. David, yep. man, welcome to the show. First of all, very cool logo over your shoulder there. I'm jealous. I'm going to need one of those for Elevate Your Grind. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's uh, the, the neon works. It, it's, uh, it sets the ambiance. Uh, it's yeah, nice when we, you walk into the office. We have our new, actually, we're, this is the premiere of our new background here. We finally updated all the sponsors. You guys are actually over there on the, on the thing here. We So, yeah, I know. I got to lose weight so we can see everyone's logo. So we're working on that, right? Uh, but David, I'm very glad that you're here today. I'm a big fan of your company. I have been for a while. You guys always had a really cool office. You've got a great team of people there. You know, Light is somebody that I was introduced to. Of course, all of you guys are Florida State grads, so that's that's near and dear to my heart. Do me a favor, Going just old. because I kind of want to, you know, establish. I don't want to say establish your credibility, but give the folks a reason why I want to talk to you about this today. But tell us a little bit about Greenpoint and what you guys do here in Florida. Yeah, absolutely. 
so Greenpoint, uh, last year, in the, in the first year of uh, the commercial program, we cultivated about 60% of all, all the hemp in the state of Florida. Uh, but we are vertically integrated uh, biomass producers and processors, and, uh, and we do it at, at a large scale. So uh, much more like a Cargill and a traditional agricultural company than uh, you know, cookies or a, a, a traditional cannabis company. Uh, a different approach. Uh, I come from an agricultural background, uh, but also know the power of cannabis. I was uh, separated from the army for for an injury, and you know had had to deal with you know Percocet and all this other crap that was just you know absolute poison. And knew there was a better way, and so that's kind of how I found my way into it. And actually uh, worked on the Amendment Two campaign, uh, helped bring you know medical marijuana here to the state of Florida. Uh, and then while I was at FSU, we founded Greenpoint and we knew the hemp was, uh, you know, on the horizon and coming from the first, the 2014 farm bill, and then leading up to the, the 2018 farm bill. And, uh, we've been involved from the beginning through even the pre-commercial phase. We were, uh, partnered with Florida state university, uh, to do, uh, you know, one of the pilot projects. So we've, uh, developed you know, hemp genetics that are, you know, suited for Florida and, and tropical climates. Uh, we're also operational in Columbia, Columbia uh, as well as uh, the Virgin Islands. And we do have the full set of licensure, both uh, hemp and marijuana down in uh, Columbia. And, uh, you know, we've been uh, hard at it for, for several years now. And I've, I've really, uh, you know, started to integrate even further. And that's kind of where we're at with, with Gramco and uh, uh, the the most recent acquisition for us in uh, November of last year, we got a new 52,000 square foot uh, manufacturing facility uh, that has a 5,000 square foot commercial kitchen in it. And it came with some economic development incentives up in uh, Jasper, Florida. And that's where I'm sitting today. Uh, and, and that's been kind of the impetus for us to, to make this uh, integration from uh, large agricultural producers and extractors into actually the, the consumer product space and, uh, and, and more so just this really unique market opportunity with, uh, with Delta eight and kind of leading the way into cannabis 3.0 and what a, a, a true mass distribution of, of products looks like. So that, that's a really interesting approach on the hemp market. And, and I kind of commend you guys, like, obviously, you know, I, I make the joke that I'm a fan cause you guys are all Florida state alums, but when I look at the business model, right. When, when this hemp craze started coming around, like when cannabis started becoming a little bit more well-known and CBD kind of hit the market, most companies did just that. They rushed to find hemp just to, to do CBD products right away, where you guys kind of took a different approach and you're like, okay, well, this crop is going to be grown by all these farmers. What, what can we do with it? It's not just CBD. What else can we get out of it? How can we do it? How can we extract it? What are the other components of it? I mean, obviously that's what I believe, and I'm sure you can fill in those gaps led to Gramco because you started looking at the other cannabinoids besides just CBD, besides just THC in it. And your approach, you know, like you said, it, it was an agricultural approach by just saying, this is a plant. What, what can we make out of it? Everyone's making this. So yes, we, we can provide that to people, but what else can we do with it? And, and let's take that approach. I mean, to me, that, that seems like really more the driving force behind Greenpoint and, and assuming why the company's named Greenpoint Research um, versus you know, the other companies that their end game was just CBD products and, and built a portfolio of CBD products. Absolutely. And, and even, you know, even with CBD, looking at other uses outside of just, you know, the soft gels and, 
and gummies and tinctures and vapes, which, you know, were the, you know, the immediate, you know, consumer goods that everyone came up with. Uh, but further product development and refinement, uh, you know, we will be, you know, running a, a forearm triple blind actual clinical trial on, on a, a CBD soft gel with proprietary, uh, you know, uh, coatings and, uh, constituent parts, uh, that, you know, help with bioavailability, but then looking into even the industrial uses of, of CBD and how it applies in, uh, you know, different applications outside of, of human consumption and kind of these, uh, mostly edible products that you, you see proliferated. Uh, and, and yeah, it, it has a huge value chain. And then even outside of just CBD, you're, you know, when you start looking at as the industry continues to scale, you're going to have huge, uh, waste streams, uh, of spent biomass and, uh, what you would call black that comes off the first phase of extraction that has lipids and fats and, you know, uh, you know, and, uh, proteins and all kinds of stuff, especially, you know, we have beyond burgers and all the, the plant-based proteins. There's, you know, there's a ton of leftover plant protein after the first phase of extracting CBD or any cannabinoids out of cannabis. Uh, and that is one thing we do. We say we take a cannabinoid agnostic approach. Uh, cannabis is cannabis is cannabis. And we know we can produce uh, an isolated kilogram of any cannabinoid cheaper than anybody uh, because of the agricultural platform. And essentially that that's the first phase of all consumer goods as we look to a fully mature market that'll be uh, you know, comprised by over 50% of all the products will be you know, either isolate isolates or custom oils and blended oils and, you know, edible products and drinks and beverages and, uh, you know, the tinctures, vapes and that kind of stuff. So uh, looking at that feedstock and that agricultural supply chain, it, it definitely changed the way we, we approach it and the way we look at it because, uh, you know, once you get to scale, you have to do more than just, you know, there's only so many CBD gummies you can produce. Like there has to be other uses for it. If the crop's really going to flourish and turn into what everyone expects it to be. See, now that's really interesting to me when you talk about leveraging the byproducts that come out from the processes of moving it from one stage along the supply chain to the other, because, you know, for, for someone like me, that that's great on, on two, two ends of the spectrum, right? It's great from a business standpoint because there's another raw material that you can take and turn into something and either wholesale it to someone who's going to specialize in that. Or if you have the ability, you can keep it in-house and have another line of products. But then also from just a sustainability standpoint, from an environmental standpoint, you're using more of the plant and creating less waste, right? So, you know, for me, like you guys at Greenpoint and, and a lot of people in this industry are what I believe that that companies and corporations should strive to achieve where not only are you making a profit and a nice profit and figuring out how to make more of it, but every time that you do figure out another profitable stream, you're actually helping the environment and creating more sustainability because you're using more of the raw materials that you're taking from, you know, and, and you are planting those. So you know, I, I look at your company and I see a lot of great points of what a company should should strive to achieve. It's I commend you guys on doing that for sure. Thank you, thank you very much. And it, it you know that, and that's becoming ever more uh, necessary in, in modern business, uh, especially with the the tokenization uh, of everything and, and NFTs and all the, the stuff that's happening with crypto. Uh, and you know, you're seeing big agricultural players already, you know, start to apply it in some of their stuff, but. Uh, you know, at the, at the core of anything, money is a medium exchange and it's supposed to, uh, you know, reward scarcity. Scarcity is, you know, what it creates value in an economy. And so the, the, 
the counterpoint to that is that a kind of company that can operate with less scarcity and more efficiently should be providing more value, uh, not only to consumers, but to uh, the entire ecosystem. And uh, it, it you're pretty soon the consumers will have a, a much more transparent choice about what people are doing and how they're operating and whether uh, their supply chain is clean, whether they're, you know, wasteful in, in their activities. And people aren't going to keep choosing the same groups that are, you know, filling the oceans with trash and, and you know, leaving good crops out in the field just to, you know, because they didn't meet some standard. You know, there, there's a lot of energy and water and everything that's tied up into all that. And, uh, you know, and when you can, tokenize that you, you have to use it and you have to find a, a way to to turn it back into something or you're you are you're acting irresponsibly you're not being a good steward and uh and ultimately you're those are the those are the leaky points in your business uh, over time that'll bleed you out once you get to scale and and the you know cannabis is great now because your margins are huge but once it gets to like peanuts and you're trading on fractions of a penny uh that that kind of ad- attitude won't fly you have to you know draw every bit of value back out. This to me feels like a poor man's version of the Joe Rogan and Evan Hafner conversation I just listened to earlier today, man. You've got a lot of those those same qualities, which is really cool. Um, you have more qualities in Evan than I do in Joe. So, but, you know, I want to get to the, the topic of Delta 8 because I'm really curious about that. I have a lot of, of questions on it. But, you know, I know the the medical marijuana industry in Florida here pretty intimately. And because of that, I tend to lack in knowledge in the, in the hemp industry in our state, right? You know, our state is very agricultural. We, we take that for granted, especially where we live or where I live down here in South Florida, because it is a city, but I mean, go from South Florida, any other part of Florida, you're going to pass through a shit ton of farms. If anyone's ever taken the drive across the state from Palm Beach County to Tampa and you don't go alligator alley, you, that's all you see is farms are really cool shit in the middle of the state too. Um, you know, I, with the conversation that we just had around sustainability and this being a very good crop for people to grow, there was an initial excitement with the opportunity in CBD I believe there is an oversupply. How is Florida's hemp industry doing and, and where do we rank amongst the rest of the country? Do we have a better industry? Do we have an opportunity of being a better industry? You know, I know I know some people in Alabama that are working towards industrial hemp, which is a, you know, I read from you that it's a very hefty investment. Is that something that that we're working towards? Because I believe this is an opportunity for a state in the United States or multiple to become a leader and really come out of this powerful because they made a big investment in hemp. As much as I love the medical marijuana market, and I, I know it intimately, I understand the the higher economic upside comes from from what we call hemp, even though it's the same thing, but what's classified as that. Absolutely. And so, you know, Florida definitely has a, a lot of natural advantages from uh, an agricultural standpoint compared to other states. You know, we have year round production capability. Uh, we have uh, a high number of really good specialty crop growers. We have good agricultural infrastructure and suppliers in the state. Uh, so we're, we're set up already from uh, an infrastructure standpoint, just because of the industry and the, that already exists here. Like you're saying, if you drive anywhere, you're going to see it. I mean, outside of tourism, it's the biggest uh, industry in the state, uh, biggest sector in the state. And uh, and so we definitely we uh, we're not a, as advanced as some other states from a, a total acreage or, or scale standpoint. And a lot of that just comes from 
the market dynamics and how things got started and the, and the, the timing uh, around the industry. You know, uh, right after the farm bill, everyone was freaking out and selling five thousand uh, dollar kilograms of CBD isolate, and, and you saw. Uh, the reported USDA acreage jumped from like 50,000 to 180,000. So we way overproduced market demand, but that doesn't mean the the initial market demand wasn't real. And with, you know, the the regular growth in CBD adoption, as well as now Delta-8 and, and other ancillary cannabinoids, uh, we probably have a national demand for about 85 to 90,000 total acres of hemp. Uh, and we only grew about 30,000 the year after 20, in 2020, and we only are growing about 50,000 nationally this year. Uh, so we've worked, you know, we're finishing up working through the, the glut of biomass in 2019, which is, you know, from 20, the 2019 crop, which is something you see in any commodity industry. There's short and long components to it, and people overproduce and underproduce, and you have price fluctuation. Uh, but we are short biomass, and that's not a, a popular opinion in the hemp market. Everyone thinks we'll have biomass forever, but we don't. We're, at, we're out of biomass in the next couple months, uh, even with the harvests that are going to come in, the, especially the, with the increased demand uh, of production because of uh, Delta-8 and Delta-8 products. Uh, so that's one, you know, for us, we, we kind of... We didn't hit it off from a timing standpoint with Kentuckys and Colorados of the world. Uh, but this next fluctuation where, you know, we're going to be short biomass in winter and we're going to be the only ones that can grow uh, is going to give us a, a huge leg up as we go to scale the industry and scale the industry in the state from a, a cannabinoid production standpoint, which is uh, where we stand to be uh, a tremendous leader, uh, you know, uh, separate of the industrial products because we already have great brands here. we got Green Roads. we got just CBD. You know, there, you know, there are already great brands here. So connecting the supply chain with uh, you know, fresh from Florida producers and suppliers with genetics that were developed in the state by in-state universities in partnership with us. It's a, you know, we have a, a great uh, supply chain here in the state now after a few years uh, and we'll be able to provide uh, tremendous values to value to brands and, uh, and other people that are looking to develop these consumer products out of, you know, hemp derived cannabinoids. Um, you know, so that it, it is, it's, a, it's only going to grow and, and Florida's done a great job of supporting that, you know, the FDAX policy statement on, on Delta eight and, you know, clearly defining it as a, a hemp derived cannabinoid, uh, you know, gives us a, another competitive advantage as a state where, you, you know, there's, uh, you know, similar to how CBD got products started getting, get, got rolling, you know, there was a lot of, uh, hesitancy in some states they even made some states even made cbd illegal and you know and that everyone was freaking out what was going to happen and now it's uh regulated and legal in all 50 states and and that's the the arc we're on here uh, especially michigan actually just passed uh an amendment and was signed into law by their governor that amends their uh hemp regulatory uh authority to safely regulate delta 8 products uh, and, and with the Commerce Clause protection in the uh, Farm Bill, it, it, you know we're good. Every, I mean, that's uh, as far as I'm concerned. That's the that's it. Delta Eight's here to stay. It's a totally new market segment and one that has major long-term value. There's a lot of, of people that really like it because it's not as intense. Yet you still get, uh, you know, similar effects to uh, a Delta Nine. You know. Uh, over 70% of the consumers that use Delta 8 products use it for, you know, about 40% use it for anxiety. So as their stated reason, about 30% use it for sleep. Uh, so it's more than just a, a recreational thing. I think there are uh, people that are using it therapeutically as a, as uh, one, an affordable option and, and one that's not as psychotropic as Delta 9. 
Uh, and with that, I, I do, I think that that market is there and you've already seen other people try to adopt regular marijuana to that market out in the West coast where you have companies that have started like dad weed and, you know, these, uh, you know, less, you know, psychotropic, uh, strains and brands. So, you know, for the people that don't, you know, want to do, uh, $90 dabs and, and be out of their mind, you know, there is a, a massive market for that and, and mainstream market. And I think, uh, Delta eight is really this kind of transition into cannabis 3.0 and might be the straw that breaks the back for a federal legalization. You know, uh, what a simple thing. All we have to do is go change the definition of hemp to, to cannabis and eliminate the 0.3 standard. And all of a sudden we have a fully regulated federal, uh, cannabis legalization in all 50 states and territories. Uh, you know, so there, it, it might be the path of least resistance, which is why I, I, I tend to get, you know, frustrated when the, you see, the marijuana producers in certain states pushing for regulations to to can Delta eight, uh, you know, because I, I think there is there's a lot of misconceptions about it. It's not new. It's not a novel cannabinoid. It exists naturally in the plant. Uh, you know, every Dr. Mahalam at Hebrew University is the, you know, you know, basically the, the patron saying that cannabis uh, medicine was studying Delta eight THC in uh, pediatric cancer patients in 1995. Uh, so to say it, it's toxic or it's harmful or that it's any of these things, uh, it's just misinformation. You know, it's, uh, it's not true. And, and the same thing we need, like we needed with CBD products is we need safe regulation of them so people can know their source. And that's the benefit of getting some, some from someone like us where it's fully vertically integrated fresh from Florida. You know, we, you know, you, there's no sourcing this. It's not somebody that's just white labeling their Delta eight brand to get quick distribution. We, you know, we believe in it. this as a durable market and, and hyper transparency. And that, I think that's where it's headed. And I think it's going to be a, a meaningful part uh, of the cannabis industry going forward. So for a while, and, and like most people in this country, when, when I first heard about Delta eight and everything else, I took a hard stance against it because, you know, I didn't know anything about it. I didn't look into it, but to me, it was fake weed or, or people trying to get around regulations right in, in my head i have this this want to protect the regulated marijuana industry because i feel as soon as anybody tries to step out of the regulations that were set it's going to push us back right and the more and more that i thought about it when when robin reached out and, and wanted to book you on the show to talk about it you know i almost thought that this was going to end up being a debate but the more and more thought that i put into it i became really conflicted on my thoughts about it and the point you just made about Delta 8 potentially being the model for federal legalization because it is a more palatable version of what we all want, I mean, that, 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 I think that is a great argument and discussion that can be looked at. So the more research that I've done into this, because I fully agree with you, I think the market is there. I 100% I think the market for this product is there. And where my conflict comes from is do we... And I think there's two approaches that are being taken. It's the ban it and let's figure it out, or it's there. It seems to be going okay. If anything, and then and then we'll we'll kind of go with it the way it is, and then make sure that it goes well, right? So it's two kind of two different extreme approaches. I, I like kind of seeing how both go, I guess. But I'm, I'm more in your boat now, where I like seeing it out there. Like this is like, hey, we're giving you the opportunity to sell a cannabis light product freely in a free market regulated to a point 
under the hemp laws, but we're not, it's not the, like, I've got to pay $500 a year to a friggin' doctor plus the state to be in the medical marijuana program alone, right? It, it costs a lot of money. I have to do it every six, seven months. It's, it's not convenient, right? So it's almost like, like you said, it, it's a proof of concept by putting Odules into the market, if you will, because Odules does have alcohol and it. it's a lower version. I, um, what, what is weird to me though, is there's always people that are going to try to take advantage of it and they're going to try to buy a lot of it and, and chase, you know, the actual cannabis. I don't know. I don't know enough about it, but it, it, to me, it's very conflicting because I, I like everybody else want to see a more free cannabis market. Right. And if you look at the state of Florida with the Delta eight markets doing is, is two things. It's showing a true free market where you are putting cannabis products out there without the highly regulated and highly capitalized need for these expensive ass licensing, but also that's not vertically integrated too. Right. And it, yeah. it's proving that model. So, you know, I, if we would have done this interview three weeks ago, this before my kid was born, even this would have been a very different conversation, but I think people should, and, and I'm one of those people should look at this with more, open eyes because like I said that that argument you make for being the framework for federal legalization I like that a lot because I've said on the show over and over again federal legalization scares the shit out of me because nobody knows how to do it right at the state level yet we, we see some people doing it decently but it, it's constantly being changed nobody is following the state before them realistically from a medical marijuana standpoint so if we can have a free market that can cross state lines and have e-com and every other part of it and it's it is safe and it can be proven that it's safe and it can be regulated properly that does make a much better case for federal legalization than 16 to 18 competing regulatory frameworks that everybody's going to fight for to put their part in you know they're going to they, because that's what politicians Absolutely. do my state does the best because it's where i'm from and my that's what my people want to hear so it it's a great great point that you make Thank you. I, and I, it's, uh, you know, and it is, it's uh, it, even for, you know, how consumers and retailers and other people interact with it. You know, we're, uh, you know, we're getting a great beta test even at how to service distributors and how to merchandise shops and how to properly display it, how to track sale through rates and all these things that are, you know, uh, you know, traditional, you know, especially in like the beer industry or like beer distributors, uh, you know, it's, uh, you know, adapting some of those best practices and looking at how, uh, you know, we're not reinventing the wheel, which is what I, I think cannabis policy has done too much. You know, we we try to overcomplicate it. You know, we have all the mechanisms between alcohol, tobacco, pharmaceuticals to regulate this plant and the different use cases of it. And, and, and yet we, we're constantly trying to invent new agencies and new things and new uh, opportunities when we just need to match like for like. And that's what uh, I do. I think like the, the hemp amending the you know, the farm bill to in the next five or six years when it comes back up uh, to just change it to cannabis is the, is the easiest uh, and it's the path of least resistance. It's a small regulatory lift because everything's already in place from the FDA to the DEA to the USDA. Uh, you know, it doesn't, it, you know, it doesn't turn into this like balkanization of a, of a million different sets of law like alcohol is. Alcohol, I mean, because of the way alcohol came off prohibition, it's still a shit show. Like I, I make a beer in North Florida. I have to go through four different companies to get it to a, a bar and sit, you know, 20 miles up the road in Georgia, you know, that, that sucks. You know, that's a, yeah. that's a miserable way to do business. 
And, uh, you know, we don't want that for cannabis, you know, that if we, if we end up with, you know, have to be vertically integrated here, but you have to be horizontal here, but you have to, you know, and, and you have to go through all these different, it's going to be miserable. You'll never see the brand adoption growth or uniformity of, uh, of products and consistency that you need out of a, a system like that. No, you, like I said, you make great points, man. And, and going back to the Delta eight and the market for it, you know, I, I think Delta eight, it, I don't know if I said this before on the last rant, but it, it is what CBD promised to be right. You know, and, and especially with CBD, you had to try very hard. Like you said, to find quality products like a Charlotte's web, like a green point. Right. Um, and I'm sorry, green roads, you guys don't, <laughs> um, green, green. So, you know, to find those quality products and even then like, it took a little while to feel the effects. I, you know, a lot of people that I talked to, like, it's not like you took one CBD tincture and, and immediately felt better. Sometimes it's over a day, sometimes it's a week, sometimes people it's two weeks before they start feeling. And, and it did kick in, right? Which is funny to me because, you know, and this just happens to be topical because it was in the news. Like to me, that that's a vitamin, that, that's a dietary supplement that, that you're taking. And the FDA just ruled against that, that it can't be sold as a dietary supplement where, Delta eight where I, and what I liked about it, even when I was against it, it is a lighter form of cannabis that gives you the true full spectrum effects that you would get from medical marijuana. Right. And as somebody who has been a cannabis user for, I don't know, 14, 15 years now, regularly, it took me a very long time to get to the point where I could consume cannabis throughout the day and still do my, my normal tasks as as a professional, as, as a husband, as a friend and everything else, you know, when I was getting it on the black market, for sure, I couldn't do that because I didn't know the, the, and, and I didn't care to know back then the terpene profile <laughs> of what I was smoking, because it was whatever I can get from the kid's parents' house I went to, which is another story for another time, right? Now it took me a very long time of trying different cultivars from different retailers in this state alone to figure out, okay, this gives you the uplifting effects that you want, won't make you tired and you can still do your things. And then all that anxiety and stress and everything else is going to stay away from you so you can do your job. I don't think a lot of people have the time, the ability, or even the patience to do what I did. You know, you truly have to be passionate about this plant and what it does for you to, to get to that point where the Delta eight products come in. And, and I want to talk to you about the Gramco ones is it gives people that ability to get that feeling without having to go through 10, 15 different cultivars of the terpene profile that they think works for them, right? And, and I think it's a great introduction into the medical marijuana industry should people need to take it that far, right? Maybe Delta 8 does what you need it to do and you can stop there. Maybe it pushes you further, right? Maybe actual cannabis becomes your, I don't want to say vice, but vice the same way alcohol is, but Delta eight is more your, your medicine, right? So that's to me where I see a great divide and that's where it's starting to win me over for sure. Like I, I told you, I agree with you. The market is 1000% there and it's probably the most underserved market because you have CBD and then you have medical marijuana, which, you know, in, in most States is a restricted adult use. We just can't say that because we've got to pretend that it's only medicine and it's, it's yeah. clinical and everything else. Well, that's, a, and that, that, you know, but I think even your, your shopping experience uh, here in the state lends the idea that it's not medical because if it was, if it was medical, you wouldn't have uh, diversity in, in, in strain and profile. I mean, people would be putting out a, a consistent 
shelf of genetically uniform uh, cannabis so that you had uh, reproducible effects for what you wanted rather than having to go from, from strain to strain. I think, uh, you know, that's, and inherently it says recreation in disguise, you know, like, uh, yeah. but the, the, it, it, it's neither here nor there. It's still, I still think it's great progress and, and, uh, and the movement in the right direction and, and has led to great research and design of products that are more therapeutic for sure. So I don't want to complain about it, but the Delta, uh, experience is great. It's a, it's a, uh, there are a lot of people that have, you know, para, paranoia issues with, with Delta nine and that, that, that it gets too intense for them. They don't want that much of a, you know, a head high and the, you know, the, uh, that kind of reaction. So the, that, you know, tempered effect, but still with the anti-anxiety and really the, I think a lot of people with the appetite, I think appetite and anxiety are so, you know, strongly linked. That's why they call it your gut, you know, you, you get a feeling in your gut and, uh, you know, I, I've, you know, I've shipped it to cancer patients and, you know, we have water soluble packs, you know, and I, you know, I know a, a friend of mine that has cancer up in South Carolina, he doesn't have a medical marijuana program and he doesn't want to smoke, but the fact that he can put, uh, you know, a couple of water soluble, you know, 10 milligrams of Delta eight in his mango juice and, and do it and then can actually, you know, have breakfast and eat after chemo and stuff. There, there's, there really is, you know, validity and, you know, there's, there's these, uh, you know, proof of concept events that we we've had and talked to people about. So, uh, and, and that that's a big deal. It's like, you just, it's, it's like light beer versus hard liquor, you know, or something like that, you know, which is, it's weird. Cause we keep jumping back and forth between medical and then like these recreational terms, but that's, I guess, I guess I have a fundamental problem with that too, to, to digress, like who says recreation isn't therapeutic and, uh, you know, like the stress yeah. is the single, single largest killer in our society today, I believe. And, uh, uh, and any relief from anxiety or stress is not uh, is, is medical as far as I'm concerned. But that's uh, without getting Shanghai by the FDA. I don't want to make any medical statements, but I, I you know, I mean, recreation can be therapy. I think that's the biggest problem with cannabis. Why why people think that that the people that are passionate about it are so crazy, and why it's so hard to regulate is because it's so hard to define. Right there, there's so many use cases for. If you tell someone, "Hey, I found this plant." that grows you know in 60 to 90 days and it has all these amazing use cases out of it it's medicinal it's therapeutic it's you know uh it, it helps you relax it helps you disconnect you can use it as a vice you could use it as building materials you can use it as paper it's stronger than steel it's this it's that you'd be like this motherfucker is crazy. What is he talking about? Right. But it's true. There are so many things that you can do with this plant and even just the basic use of, of consuming it by smoking it or by eating it, that the, the use cases and the amount of things that it treats are, are vast, right? At least unofficially, if you will. So people think we're crazy when we talk about it, but it's because we can't actually put the research behind it to say, no, we're not fucking crazy. We're right. Here is the scientific evidence to back it up. We have bits and pieces of it. People are still citing bullshit studies from the 1930s and 40s that were propaganda against, you know, for the prohibition of this plant. So it's like, you know, you, you want to trust a, a, a study from 1938, but not 2015 or 18 or, or 2020. Like, you know, so to me, you know, will Delta 8 also give us the ability to provide some of that research that we need to, to show people that we're not freaking crazy in this industry. 
Yeah, and I think we're, we're getting there as an industry uh, as a whole. The the amount of research that's come in uh, to to therapies uh, from cannabis uh, over the last you know, ten years has been tremendous. Uh, you know the the biggest limiting factor there is the acceptance of materials from the FDA and the fact that we only could go through old Miss and get the the crappy weed yeah. and like so. The fact that the research has been there just isn't been in a manner that the FDA will sign off on because of, of stupid red tape. It's not like uh, we're lacking the evidence uh, or or even the high quality clinical trials. That's, a, that's what I'm saying. Like, you know, the the Delta 8 trial I, I, I mentioned was human clinicals on 480 children in Israel in, in 1995. You know, it's uh, uh that's that's a significant study. It's an FDA clinical trial grade study. Uh that you know that that's just part of it this needs to be communicated just uh, you know we have studied it a lot i think there's uh, you know it might be at that's you know we're verging on the point that it might be the most studied medicine in the world you know like uh as far as you know you know more than uh, tylenol or any of these things you know we because it because of how uh much of a kind of scarlet letter has been associated with it, but, you know, but, but is it, it just, just that huge detached from reality for, you know, the, you hear all these things and then you see it in people's lives and you're like, well, I, I, you know, this is clearly not what you're saying. You know, yeah. like this is not, you know, this is not the devil's lettuce. This isn't reefer madness. This isn't, you know, no, no, these people aren't crazed maniacs. Like, uh, you know, let's, let's get back to the baseline and, 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 you know, distributing that. And then, and I think a lot of that's about to go by the wayside too, because they did just issue those new uh, uh, research licenses mm-hmm. uh, through uh, the DEA. So you'll see uh, the production of higher quality cannabis and more diverse uh, cannabinoid and terpene profiles and entering into these uh, trial systems and, and getting the, the the approvals from the the U.S. government that are needed to to justify it to some people. And that's just a, that's why it's a, it's a consumer confidence thing, and we'll get there. Very cool, man. Well, talk to me about about the brand Gramco. Um, obviously, you copied my wardrobe today. It's you know yeah. embarrassing here. Um, I think we're wearing the same size shirt as well too. So, um, <laughs> um, I told Robin before you came on. I said I'm happy to be talking to you guys because you know the approach that you took on the hemp industry and the, from a true research standpoint, you have partnerships with universities as well too, that there is a scientific component to this, right? So, you know, you weren't just a, a, a hustler or a business just trying to jump on a, a trend and put it out there. You know, you guys have studied these cannabinoids. Uh, talk to me about the products you're putting out there because I look at it and I mean, to me, it, it looks like cannabis. You've got flour, you've got pre-rolls, you guys saw some vapes. Um, and even the strains, I mean, the, the cultivars are the same. You've got, uh, you know, Skittles and, and other ones. I, I don't know if I saw runs or something like that. Give me a, a, you know, tell me about the products, what you guys are doing, what's going into them, you know? Yeah, absolutely. It's, uh, uh, so it's all, you know, the, for any of the flower products, we start with our, our fountain of youth, uh, certified CBG flower. We use uh, CBG instead of CBD for all the the smokable products because of the, the nose, uh, flavor and, and look of it. Um, and, and then it is, uh, treated with, uh, with Delta, uh, an aerosol Delta eight to, to be applied to the, the product. And then we manufacture the, the different pre-rolls or, you know, the, just in the containers of flour, uh, that go into market. 
but we really see that as the smallest part of it. You know, people like it and it's a, it's a skew, but really the, you know, what, what we didn't talk about is the edibles and that's what, you know, we're getting ready to really launch, uh, heavy into edibles because, uh, I think there is less of a, a recreational bend to it than, than we think. And, you know, I said, most people don't want to smoke it, even the vapes and the stuff. I think it's a uh, high demand, to, you know, for, like I said, sleep and anxiety be at bedtime. And so, uh, as part right behind me on the other side of this wall is actually a 5,000 square foot commercial kitchen. Uh, and we're demoing, uh, several different gummy recipes with all fresh from Florida produce, uh, you know, all plant-based, you know, vegan, vegan products that we can, uh, put out and we're going to be launching, uh, several edible lines over the next, uh, couple months. And we're really excited about that. And that's, uh, uh, the next iteration of it. And that's kind of some of the market feedback we, we've gotten, you know, we've only, you know, we, we launched the brand on 420 and I, it's, uh, yeah. Uh, so again, crossing over some of the recreation stuff, but, uh, in the, this first, you know, about hundred days post launch and the, you know, the consumer data and what we're getting back and, you know, uh, is, it is more that it is, uh, you know, we want something that's easy to consume. We want it to, to taste good and be, be healthy that they, they are health conscious consumers. It's not, you know, lazy stoners. It's, you know, 50 and 60 year old women and, and, you know, doing it to, to get rest at night. And it's not just, you know, young kids. So uh, it's kind of been an interesting uh, exercise for us as we, we've launched and, and gotten out there. You know, we're picking up distribution, have 20 stores, uh, 20 plus stores that are carrying Gramco products throughout the state of Florida, as well as a few in the northeast uh, U.S. And um you know, uh, we're really excited about the the market intelligence we're getting back and the the feedback we're getting back that it is more than just the the smokable flower because I think that gives us a, a tremendous uh, leeway and creativity for product development. You know, looking at beverages and uh, you know other things on on the horizon as well after uh, just the the first phase of edibles that are coming out. You know, it's uh and, and getting into traditional distribution, like I said, it's uh, that that's what we're most excited. It's a it really is a trial run for a, a federal legalization. You know, like why why are we going to go build a bunch of dispensaries to do one thing? That's not how uh, you know a, a consumer is going to work. They're going to want to go to one store to get you know uh, their bottle of wine, some nice hors d'oeuvres, you know, snacks. Uh, you know, shoppers aren't going to go to a specialty cannabis store for the most part, you know, long-term. And uh, so learning how to integrate cannabis into traditional distribution models is, is one of the most exciting things uh, about it. And, uh, but the, but the products are great. We have great sell through people, people have reacted well to them and uh, we're excited to keep, you know, being innovative and developing new products and uses. So would your goal be to get these products into either Publix or Walgreens in the state of Florida? I, I would love that. I, I think the the publics might be a, a a tall lift given their uh, campaign contribution history and and uh, <laughs> not not that I, I don't want to say I'm a Floridian so I don't want to say anything bad about publics. Like uh, I know that's like a love sacrilege publics. here in the state. <laughs> yeah, like, best subs around. Yeah, everyone loves publics. I'm not saying anything bad about publics. I'm just saying uh, uh, ca- cannabis friendly they are not and. Uh, but yeah, we'd love to ha- be in Walgreens. We'd love to be at every gas station. We'd love, you know, uh, you know, we think uh, in, in the more you see the policy change, you know, the the more receptive we're starting to see distributors and traditional retailers to it. You know, the 
uh, the, again, like I said, the Michigan law getting signed in as part of their hemp bill, having clear framework for Delta 8 regulation, it's, it goes a long way in building uh, buyer confidence uh, that they're they're not getting into something illegal. And uh, it's been great. From an e-com standpoint, are you, I mean, are you able to sell to almost any state? Like I know Nevada just made it illegal, obviously, you know, not good timing for the champ show, but you know, are, are you able to sell to, to most states, just the ones that forbid it? You can't. Yeah, absolutely. So we have a, we have a no sell, um, or, you know, function on our, our e-com platform that where we won't, you know, execute transactions to certain states that have, have passed, uh, you know, the bands or rush the bands through, you know, I think there's like 12 of them now total. Um, so we, yeah, we avoid those, but it, then the other good thing is it helps us with targeting in other States. So we have a, a great relationship with, uh, bud.com and they have a hemp shop component. And so the other thing is it's, you know, sans those 12 States where the, you know, Gramco products are the landing page for the bud.com hemp shop and all the other States. So, you know, and again, it helps, uh, you know, Huh. We lost signal. We do, we do have to avoid them. Right, he's back. Sorry, I lost you for a second. You're back. Oh, oh sorry. Oh. You're good. It's a, the middle of the state internet connection, I think. Yeah. I wouldn't even say middle of the state. We're basically in Georgia up here. This is uh, <laughs> very rural. Yeah. It's a uh, uh, unique uh, city in Jasper, Florida. Uh, I love it though. You got the Spirit of Swanee Music Park and, and, and some cool stuff. Jasper, up here. it's up in the Panhandle. Uh, it's like dead center. It's r- right off seventy five, north of I ten. Yeah, it's like the second exit in from uh, Georgia when you're heading south on seventy five. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. Yeah. All right. Now I never went north of uh, I ten on seventy five. I always just hit that I ten west straight to Tallahassee. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. So this is actually the last High Life Fronton built in America uh, that we took over. Uh, uh, so we we're still in, in you know, we, we bought it in November and we're building it out in phases. But the, the, we got 30,000 square feet in the back with, you know, huge, uh, you know, 40 foot clear height. And then it still has a full Fronton court in it with like stadium lighting and the scoreboard and everything. That's so, really cool. Do yeah, you guys have it, the basket and the do you guys oh yeah the, the punta cestas we'll, yeah, we'll get back there and sling it every once in a while <laughs> that is awesome man. i mean you guys always had the greatest facilities even your fort lauderdale office was was incredible yeah we loved it we, yeah it's a uh, we miss it but uh the six hour commute up here it was it was kicking my ass so i had to <laughs> had oh. to call, call the audible but I'm sure, man. Well, listen, dude, the, the products are really exciting. Um, you know, you talked about the future and some of the things you're going to get into. I mean, is a goal of yours uh, from a Delta 8 standpoint for Gramco, like a prepackaged drink? Because I can see those being uh, I mean, widely accepted. I'm a huge fan of cannabis beverages. Cannabis beverages, for the most part, are microdosed at this point. And I think the the biggest hindrance to them is where they're sold. They're sold where you have flower consumers. They're sold where you have concentrate users. Like you said, you know, these are the dabbers. These are the people that are smoking a good amount of cannabis, the traditional way. And to get them to switch over to another form factor is not always the easiest, right? So you take a product that is the Gramco, whatever, hard seltzer if you will or, or juice juice sounds good we got a lot of juice here. i like cafe so i like uh i'm a, I'm a big fan of coffee and cannabis together that, and so dude there you go 
It's a little double shot at the Gramco Cafe, uh, 20 milligrams of Delta-8 in it to start your day, I think is a, a great product and something we are, we're definitely looking at. You know, I think uh, looking at installing canning in the, the full nine as we, we scale here. I, I'll be happy to be part of the R&D team for that one for free. Excellent. Yeah, absolutely. That's and it's a cool thing because we actually got a, a pretty cool connection in that the our boots on the ground, you know, the VP of operations for our Colombian op uh, side of business uh, used to be the chief commercial officer for the Colombian Coffee Federation. So we get the best coffee for sure. So I know that, like once we we get it going, it's going to be a, a great beverage. I will happily volunteer for the R and D for that one. That I, that's where I was going to lead you with the beverages. I was going to say how long, you know, how can we get a cannabis and coffee? I mean, I would love personally to me that once this whole CBD and everything outside of the traditional cannabis use to me came out, I'm like, I would love a coffee that gave me a little bit of the effects in the morning to start my day. I mean, you, that is the ultimate product for me. So I'm very excited for that to come out. Nice. Uh, it's funny to say, make a product for yourself. And I, I was like, I can't be the only one that feels this way about, about these two things. You know, they gotta be, uh, there's gotta be a bunch of people out here that feel this way. You know, it's funny. Like you see like some of these dumb things on the internet, like they have a, a coffee cup that has a bowl attached to it that you pack. And I'm just like, Oh, that's cool. And then I'm like, but then you just got to smell the burnt weed as you finish your coffee for the rest of the day. Like, <laughs> yeah, you know, you're not going to clean like it resin. out before you finish the mug. No, no, exactly. It's almost <laughs> there, but not quite. They they had the right idea, a wrong execution. You know, yeah. So, so um, awesome, man. Well, dude, David, it's been a pleasure to talk to you. We will definitely do this again. I'm excited to continue to see what you, what you all do, the products that come out. Um, before we let you go, let's plug where they can get the products, you know, Gramco, Greenpoint, anything else you want to get out there? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, thegramco.com. Uh, is our, is our website, all the products are available, uh, you know, direct ship to your house. Uh, you know, I, I encourage everyone to, to try them out and, they, you know, give it a chance. They're clean. They're fresh from Florida. We grow everything, know your source. It's, uh, it's a, it's a good clean product and, and an enjoyable experience. And I encourage everyone to check it out. Very cool. Well, thank you, David. And we'll definitely have you back soon. Thanks, Todd. I appreciate it. Absolutely. And thank you to everybody at home for watching. Of course, it's been another episode of Elevate Your Grind. Uh, we are done for the week. We'll be back next week. I want to say Tuesday at 2, but I'll put that out there on the old interwebs when I know for sure. Yes, I know I need to get better at that, folks. Of course, if you missed any part of this episode, you can catch it next week on our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash elevate your grind or anywhere that you find your audio podcast, Apple, Spotify, iHeart, Stitcher, you're not going past Apple or Spotify, so I don't need to name all those. Um, folks, we're done for the week. Like I said, uh, I want to give another shout out to the folks at Spring Big. Thank you again for an amazing time. It was a pleasure. You guys will always have a special place in my heart, but it's time to move on to bigger and better things. I'll let you all know next week. Have a good weekend.